pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you on Thursday night. And Lord, we just ask for your direction and blessing in our service. Give us grace. Teach us from your word and help us to be your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Need an outline? Wave a hand there and Brother Henry bring you one. We're going to try to finish up the book of James before the missions conference here. So we're going to have to move fairly quickly. And, of course, we have not been going through real superbly in-depth, taking every sentence apart. Uh, just as we go through the book of James, we're, we're looking at our attitudes. I mean, so often when we're dealing with things, it's more important, uh, it's more of an issue, the attitude we have toward it sometimes, than what we actually do. Um, And God wants us to have a biblical and proper attitude. And so, we have to understand, when we fall into diverse temptations, when difficult things happen, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, uh, my first response isn't always, oh, wonderful, praise the Lord. And yet, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to understand that it is the Lord that's in control and there is a purpose, there is a reason. We can trust the Lord regardless of what is going on in our life. And we need to understand that the greatest thing we possess is our salvation. And once we have that settled, what else should we be concerned about? If we were just more concerned about pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ, this is... Taking a quick review back to James chapter 1. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. What's the next part? Deceiving your own selves. You know, lots of people are out there in false religion. And uh, we we make a, a problem sometime when we expect them to behave better than they do. Uh, where we really need to be worried about is our personal relationship with the Lord. And we come down through chapter 2 and we have our attitude uh, toward how we should behave and how we should work and how we should serve the Lord. And, And that living faith always produces living works. If your faith isn't working... uh. The sirens ought to be going off, the red flashing lights, the buzzers buzzing, and and we need to get with the Lord Jesus Christ and get that thing fixed. The greatest accomplishment any human being could accomplish is to control that little thing that lies just between your teeth and under your sinuses, right? Uh, To bridle the tongue is far greater task. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen any of those things in person where they take those giant killer whales and have them jump up and take the fish out of their hand and all of those. I've heard some stories where the whale took a whole lot more than the fish. 
uh, took the trainer down to the bottom of the tank on a couple of occasions. I mean, those those things are uh, uh, not to be played with, but people train them. But you know what? Not a one of us. How many times have we had to apologize for what we say? And honestly, that little phrase, if your mom or dad taught you, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. It's bones will heal. But, I mean, just look at this society in which we live. All of the crazy people just going out and saying and killing and making pipe bombs and, and all of these. And we live in a society that is just falling apart at the seams. Why? Because when you refuse to allow God to be a part of the public domain, don't be surprised. When prayer was in public schools, I love this, the greatest discipline problem in public schools in the United States in 1962 was talking in class. That was the number one discipline problem. The Supreme Court says no more prayer in public schools, no addressing God, taking out the Ten Commandments. And now the number one issue we deal with in public schools is mass murder. Well, you expel God from the public schools. Who's coming in? I mean, that's just the world in which we live. And so we started on chapter 4, and our attitude here, it tells us toward, towards God is what chapter 4 is about, prayer. Uh, let's, let's be so very careful about our prayer life and how we treat God. He is not a slot machine. He is not here to do our bidding uh, we are here to do His. And we have to battle concerning the world. The spirit that is in us lusteth to envy. Verse 5, it wants to do things that are wrong. Verse 6, but He giveth more grace. God resisteth the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And the Bible tells us, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, uh, just by way of review, if you want to resist the devil, the best way to resist the devil is submitting yourself to God. Uh, it's not running around chasing the devil. Uh, don't, don't fall for that foolishness. I mean, you, you go flipping through the channels and you come across that TBN, you'll find somebody on there, I bind the devil and I do... Uh, yeah, he lies about a lot of other things, too. Uh, you don't bind the devil. Don't play games with people who think they do. Because you're the one that's going to be hurt. Uh, I, I, I don't know who said, don't, don't ever get in a chess game with the devil. When I was a kid, uh, they had this old country singer and he sang a song about the devil went to Georgia and the guy was having a fiddling contest with the devil. And, of course, in the song, uh, the kid won the contest. Uh, in real life, it doesn't work that way. You always lose when you play with the devil. Submit yourself unto God. That's how you resist the devil. 
The Bible tells us to draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of God and He shall lift you up. Then we get to verse 11 and we start digging in tonight. My attitude towards God concerning other believers. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Now, boy, uh, 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 one of the most misquoted verses in the whole Bible In the Sermon on the Mount, judge not lest you be not judged. Uh, The passage here is talking about between believers. Have you ever met a professionally offended Christian? Uh, Everything that happens around them, they're all the time... Well, if that were my job, I'd do a little different. That's what's being spoken of here. Or someone said, I, I just didn't like that. I mean, I, I agree with what the preacher said, but he, he doesn't have to be so mean about it. Uh, and, and we've had these things happen. And every one of those that set themselves up as the final determiner of who is living for Christ and who isn't, guess what they're not doing? They're not serving God. They're too busy telling everyone else what to do. Uh, Sometimes, I really wish we could spend a whole evening right here, but I don't want to do that tonight. Just think of the book of Ecclesiastes. You know what? Solomon had the answer for everybody and everything except Solomon. And that's what James is talking about here. Don't sit here. Now, let me tell you something. If you walk into uh, a grocery store and see a member of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church buying a six-pack of beer, uh, that's not judging, my friend. That ought never happen. Or... You're standing there uh, going into a building or something, and there's somebody you know from church puffing on a uh, pack of cigarettes. That's not judging. That's not what this passage is talking about. What this passage is talking about is when we set ourselves, or individuals in the church set themselves up as a uh, determiner of someone else's spirituality or walk with God. Have you ever come into church and someone was just a little bit down? And you thought, wow, we ought not be that way. We ought to have a cheerful... Well, you don't know what's going on. Our first thought ought to be encourage one another, not put one another down. That's what this passage is talking about here. Don't be a Solomon. Could we say amen to that? 
you know what? Be a David. David prayed for those that was against him. And here we come down to um, uh, the next passage here. God is the one that judges. God is the one who will set people up. He will put them down. Let us, as we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, let the Lord take care of His servants. Don't you take care of His servants. You take care of you. And then we come to the next passage, and it fits in perfectly here. Go to now. Ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil." Hey, my attitude concerning the future. Most people think positive things concerning the future. Amen? Well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to... Most people plan on living forever. You, you know that that time is going to come when you're going to get... When you're going to pass from this life into the next. But most people. I worked in a nursing home for several years. While I was a student in Bible college. And one, one thing that was repeated. Just shocking to me. Is no matter how sick the person was. No matter how long they had laid there. In a vegetative state. Months. and I mean there were people that were there. Uh, months on end. Just. Hovering near death. But when death finally walked through that door, it was always a shock. Nobody ever expects these things. And I'm not saying that we should go around expecting, uh, you know, to die and all of this. What I am saying here is that our focus ought to be on the Lord. That's what James is talking about here. Be careful of your plans. Make sure they're God's plans. Um, just read a fantastic book. We might, might want to get a few of them if you like. Uh, uh, stories from the Cold War. Uh, there's a, uh, a missionary to Romania, actually. He's a, a godly man. Met him on several occasions. Had no idea he was participating in some of the greatest... Uh, intelligent coups on the old Soviet Union in the history of America. He was part of it. And he re- tells the story in a little book. I, I picked it up for the boys, and, but I read it first. And uh, it just, it's just a good book. Amazing. And he tells the struggle that he went through because he wanted to be chosen for this special program. But he had just gotten saved. And he said, it was just like the Lord was telling me, what, what if you don't get chosen? Will you still serve me? And he said, I finally surrendered to the Lord. He said, okay, Lord, I'm going to serve you no matter what. He said, the next day, he was one of the first ones chosen to do this uh, underwater uh, diving. They actually tapped the... Um, 
a Russian communication cable inside Russian territorial waters, and the Russians never even knew what was going on. Uh, just amazing stories uh, of, of things that no one believed could actually happen. And he participated in this, but he gave the testimony that God didn't work in his life till he surrendered to the Lord. And how many of you have known the Lord to do that in your life? He just waits. He just holds on because the Lord is really interested in one thing. Our willful choice to submit to the Lord. Now, you go back in chapter 4. Hey, we start with submitting our will to God in prayer, humbling ourselves in our desires, humbling ourselves in our dealings with other believers, and concerning the future, and we get to the last verse of this chapter here, and we have a summary. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, I want you to take just a moment and flip back uh, the pages of your Bible, just two in my Bible, to James chapter 1. And we'll read verses 22 through 25. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. This is really the theme of the book of James. And don't raise your hand, every one of us would. How many of us have known that, yeah, I should do this, and we don't? Well, this is what James has summoned this whole, if you know to do good, and you choose not to do good, you are sinning. My old band teacher said, there are two sins in the CCA band. He said, we have sins of commission and sins of omission. He said, sins of commission is where you're playing where you're not supposed to be. And sins of omission is where you're not playing when you're supposed to be playing. And he would just read us the riot act and continue. And and we had a, a very, very good high school band. And uh, just enjoyed playing some excellent music and, and fun together. But isn't that the Christian life? We have things that we know we're supposed to be doing and we don't do them. And then we're over here on the other hand doing things that we shouldn't be doing. And James is trying to get us to have a biblical attitude towards God in our prayers, in the world in which we live, concerning other believers and the future. Now, James chapter 5, he starts, and if you're not careful, you're going to miss the main point of what James is talking about here. 
I, I have titled chapter 5, The Biblical Attitude Toward the Return of Christ. But James starts out rather strangely here. He takes the same uh, attitude here, go to now. He's uh, only used three times in our Bible, twice in the book of James. He, he says, you people that are trying to plan everything and you think you know what the future holds, go to now. And by the way, could I just challenge you concerning the future before we move on? You need to be praying for Tuesday's elections. And you need to, if you're a citizen, you need to vote. Uh, voting starts at 6 a.m. and ends at 9 p.m. Uh, and if you don't have your place, you can call, uh, uh, there's a phone number. All you have to do is Google, uh, uh, Voting New York City, it'll give you a phone number, and, and there's also a website there that, that will help you um, find out where you need to vote. But let me tell you, uh, you, you need to vote because there's some people that have some definite plans for the future of this country who will get their way if people just stay home. That's what the whole thing is. People are saying, no one knows what's going to happen Tuesday. I'll tell you this. If Republicans get discouraged and stay home, Democrats win. If the Democrats get discouraged and stay home, Republicans win. And there cannot be two more different outlooks for what, wants to, what they want to happen in this country. And so we need to be in prayer and we need to vote. And we need to pray for our country. And so now we start in chapter 5, verse 1. Go to now, ye rich man, and weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Wow. Doesn't this seem kind of out of context for the, our attitude toward God and prayer toward other believers and, and knowing to do right and not doing it, considering that sin so that we will stand? But if you'll read the next two verses, James puts the whole thing into proper perspective here. Be patient, therefore. See, what James was doing in the first six verses was just stating what was going on in the world that the believers lived in in James' day. By the way, does that sound strangely familiar as to what's going on in the world in which we live in today? Hello? Oh, it really is. We've got... People out there that are planning and plotting, they're, they're stealing and manipulating and they're trying to do all of these things. We, we have people, including 
uh, many politicians whose agenda is to eradicate God and morality from our society. That's what's going on. But what are we supposed to do? Uh, we're supposed to be patient. Who are we supposed to be patient with? We're supposed to be patient with God. Don't be patient with the sinners. But you're not going to stop them. Don't worry about the plans of the plotters. I remember when I was in Bible college, I, I fell into some friends there for a little while and and man, they had everything figured out and they kept talking about these conspiracy theories and this and that. And, and boy, you know, I just started going, wow, is that really what's going on? And, and started uh, really buying into some of this stuff. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. There has never been a time in history where men believed that they had power to control other men and did not use it. That's the, that is the dirty, rotten lie of all these conspiracy theories that are out there. Say, well, the world is really run by these little, the Bilderbergers and all of these things that are out there and the Rothschilds and... No. If it were... They would really be running the world, and they're not. Every once in a while, they get something done. Every once in a while, they'll make a little disturbance. But do you want me to tell you who's really running the world? God is. Don't get worried about black helicopters, my friends. They come in all colors. How many of you know what I mean when I talk about black helicopters? Okay, we've got a few people out there who know what I'm talking about. You say, Pastor, what code word? Don't worry about it. If you don't know what it means, don't worry about it. But there are people that they're ready. In fact, my wife and I, when we were on deputation, we mistakenly got into this church. And, and I, I will tell you, it was one of the eeriest services we ever had. We tried to talk about planning churches in New York City and, and uh, the preacher was actually building a tank uh, so that he could be ready when it happened. And uh, uh, when he found out I had mechanical ability, he was like, hey, could you help me? And I'm going, get me out of this place, away from these people. That's not who we are. Be patient with God because He's going to let them do their things because Jesus is coming back, my friend. Amen? He gives us the example of the farmer. He waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and he hath long patient for it until he received the early and the latter rain. And, and, and this really is talking about the land of Israel. Very different than the United States. Most of the places where we want crops to grow, uh, commercial farmers, they have to irrigate the land. How many of you have ever been out in uh, uh, Indiana and Illinois and Kansas and places where they have these great big uh, uh, sprinkler systems? Some of them are a quarter mile long going across the field and the farmer will drag those 
through the field to keep the fields watered. Well, in the land of Israel, it's different. Early in the year, you would have the early rains that would soften the soil so that they could break them up and plow the fields and plant them. Those were the heavier rains, and now the soil was saturated and everything was ready to grow. And then just before the harvest, this is how God had Israel tuned to his blessing. There would be days of gentle showers that would just give the proper amount, just like in a greenhouse. And the crops would come in. Uh, I was told by, uh, 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 sat in a service, a preacher claimed, in the best fields, hay fields in the United States, we will have two, possibly three hay cuttings a year. In the land of Israel, they have seven, sometimes even up to ten cuttings in one growing season. Uh, The little land of Israel is one of the top three exporters of citrus fruit in the world. I mean, you stop and you think about that. God said, listen, my eyes are on that land and I want that land to grow and, and produce food. It truly is a land of milk and honey. And he says, you just remember the farmer. You plant your seed. It takes time to grow. He said, be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth not. Here's what he's saying. The wicked are going to do their things. You keep getting ready for Jesus to come back. That is what we're trying to do. That's why our missions conference is so important. That's why what we uh, uh, do as a church and pass out tracts and all of these things... Now we come down to verse 9. And as we're serving the Lord, it says, Grudge not one against another. Brethren, lest ye be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. Do you know, even in serving Christ, we can get uh, what I like to call the Martha syndrome. How many remember Martha? Lord, don't you care that my sister's not helping me serve? I like to end that story with the fact that the day before Jesus rode the donkey into the city of Jerusalem, they had a great feast at Simon the leper's house in Bethany. And guess who was cooking and serving? Martha was. What was Mary doing? She's the one that took the attention off of the food and put it on the Lord Jesus Christ where it belonged with her breaking of the box of ointment and Martha wasn't complaining you see they got that thing straightened out sometimes even as we're serving God we can bump into one another hey let's remember that that's what happens in the world let's not bring that into church amen Because the same God that's going to judge those out in the world will judge us as well. 
And so, it says here, take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. James is saying several things here. He says, my brethren, the prophets, you know what James was doing? He was identifying himself with Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all of the prophets of the Old Testament. James was saying, my message is just as much from God as their message was. And you take the example of all of the suffering that people have done in serving for God, and you make sure you're ready. Verse 11, behold, we count them happy which endure. You know, it's not... Your accomplishment. I remember hearing a sermon on how to be a, su- a successful Christian. And, and he went on talking about all of these souls that you have to win and all these hours of prayer that you have to do and all of this great understanding you have to get. And I'm sitting here going, if I spend 20 hours a week doing this and 30 hours a week doing this and 40 hours a week doing that and 50 hours a week doing this, I'm not going to have any time to live. You see, what we're supposed to do is just serve the Lord. Our service for the Lord is not some fantastic, unbelievable thing. It's being able to live godly in this present evil world. Amen? And he gives us the example of Job. None of you, none of me, none of us have suffered like Job suffered. And so we talk about the prophets. And we talk about the... He says, ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Again, my attitude toward my service in God. Listen, let me keep my eyes on Jesus. And then we get to verse 12, and he says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Now what James is doing here in these last few verses, he's saying, watch your own character. Don't be one of those people that all the time have to have to remind everybody how much you tell the truth. Well, you know me, I'm always telling the truth. I, I never, and by the way, be careful when you hear someone talking like that, you have to know something. They're accustomed to being accused of not telling the truth. Otherwise, they wouldn't constantly be affirming that. Like the used car salesman. I swear on a stack of Bibles, I do this. Or, uh, you know, I, I remember one time I was, we were looking for somebody to do something, and, and the guy started, well, listen, I'm a preacher too, and I do this and I do that. And I said, we're not doing business with you. If you have to use your religion to prove to me that you're a worthy uh, a competitor here, I, I don't want to hear that. You see, your yea ought to be yea. Yes, yes. No means no. 
What did you mean when you said that? Exactly what I said. Don't read between the lines. Don't be one of those people that are always trying to get in a hidden message uh, in your thing and in, in, in your in your speech. And we come through here, and he says, "Is any among you afflicted?" When you're going through dark and tough times, hey, the answer is pray. But don't be afraid to sing when God is working in your life. Remember when uh, Brother Clayton preached a sermon at our wedding. He said, don't ever forget to sing. You know, sometimes we can't sing the way we would like to out loud when people hear us. But we can still sing in our hearts. Amen. Don't forget to keep those Melodies, that's one of the things I love about the hymns, is anybody can sing a hymn. You know what? You don't have to have a great voice to sing, Blessed assurance, Jesus, or standing on the promises. I'll tell you what, you get down in the dumps, you get looking at these rich people plotting and listen to the news. And, and, and by the way, don't don't believe for a minute that there isn't, Some consensus going on here trying to discourage people who want to live righteously in these last days. It is is going on. But what am I going to do? Hey, when I'm afflicted, I'm going to pray. When I'm happy, I'm still going to sing. And when I'm down, I'm going to sing. Amen? It says, is any among you, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, we're not going to take a long time here, but just simply medical practice in the days of James was fairly limited. And still to this day, one of the most efficacious medicines that you can have is good old fashioned olive oil. You know what? It'll take care of earaches just as fast as any antibiotic treatment you can get from the doctor. And I believe what James is saying is this. Don't be afraid of medicine. Don't be afraid of the doctor if he tells you you have to have a surgery. If he, don't be afraid of, the, uh, of medicine. But I'll tell you, do this first. Keep your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Somebody said... I want the best Christian surgeon I can find. I don't. I want the best surgeon I can find, and I'll trust God to guide his hands as he cuts me up. Amen? Uh, That's what James is saying here. Don't read into this every so often. Someone comes by, do you anoint with oil? No, we don't anoint with oil. But we take aspirin, Tylenol, uh, other medications as the doctor prescribes. Uh, we're not afraid of medicine here, uh, but we pray first. And when God blesses in a special way, we give Him the credit. And God it still heals, but He doesn't need TBN to get the job done. And He answers prayer, verse 15, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
I hate to tell you this, but verse 16 is one of the greatest pretexts for gossip in the entire Bible. And that's not what it's talking about. Gossip is a great sin. Oh, but I just want to pray intelligently, so give me all the dirty details. Oh, there's very few things that get me more upset than that. Prayer is not a context for sharing. Oh, we just want to confess our faults. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is when you've offended someone or someone else has offended you, talk to the person that you've offended or the person that has offended you. Uh, You need to talk, get that thing straightened out. Those are the faults that you confess one to another. And we need to pray. That's why every second and fifth Sunday, we just pray for a list of families in this church. You know why? Because the Bible here says we need to pray for one another. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then he gives us the example uh, of Elijah who prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And he prayed again and God sent the rain. And if you do not are not familiar with your Bible in the way that you should be, you would... Um, Uh, you would understand that when a prophet made a statement in the name of the Lord, if anything changed that statement or if it didn't come come true, the penalty was death. So when Elijah went before Ahab and said, it's not going to rain and there's not going to be any dew unless I say it, there wasn't. For three and a half years. If there had been, even old wicked Ahab could have gone to the people of Israel and said, It didn't come true. He's a false prophet. You know, I think I'd be praying pretty earnestly about that if God had told me to say those things, don't you? And and that's what James is saying. God gave Elijah direction to pray. How many of you remember the story when he was up on um, Mount Carmel and they had done the sacrifice and God had sent down fire and, and consumed the sacrifice and they'd killed the prophets of Baal and all of those things. And God said, now go pray for rain. And so he prayed and, the, and his servant went and said, nothing yet, seven times. He said, I see a little cloud like a man's fist. And Elijah went and told Ahab, you better get down off this mountain because in a little bit it's going to be raining and you're not going to get off the mountain. It's going to be too dangerous because of the rain. And the rain came. And it simply says here, Brethren, if any of you... um, I'm sorry. uh, Verse 17, Elisha was a man subject to like passions as we are. There is nothing that you will deal with that is beyond the power of prayer. But you better make sure you're praying for the things that God wants you to pray for. You're praying at His direction. God told Elijah that it wasn't going to rain, there was going to be no dew. Now, God's not going to tell you that. 
God's only going to tell you what's written down in this book. And we need to be praying for these things. We need to be praying in response. And we get down here to this last part. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. There's a reward for living the Christian life. We need to be encouraged and to encourage one another to simply live for Jesus. Amen? One of the ways we do that is praying for one another. One of the ways we do that is having church. And one of the reasons why uh, I've been driving out to Riverhead and meeting with Community Baptist Church is because if someone doesn't help them, that church is going to close. And you know what we want to do? Bye. Isn't it just incredible how all the distractions come at just the right time? But brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, we need to be encouraged and we need to encourage one another. There is nothing that we will face in this life that is beyond the power of God's prayer. But it's got to be the right kind of prayer. It's got to come from a righteous Christian, someone who's living right for God. God is in the prayer answering business. God is in the sin forgiving business. And God wants to limit the work of sin in the life of believers because God, more than we do, knows sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And so as we look through the book of James we see our attitude brought out in every aspect of our life when we fall into diverse temptations. The fact is, we lack wisdom, but if we're going to ask for that wisdom, we've got to ask for that wisdom to make us count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. Amen? We've got to ask God for that wisdom that will help us to go through that temptation and come out on the right side. We've got to ask God to give us a religion that is right and godly. We've got to understand that works are necessary, but they don't give us our salvation there because we have a working faith in God. And if we have a working faith, guess what we're going to be working on first? Uh, Right? And by the way, you can't work on someone else's tongue. You can only work on the one that's inside your mouth. Amen? And when we get that proper attitude toward what I can do and who I am, I can begin to focus on who God is and what He wants to do. I'll start praying for the things God wants me to pray for in the way that God will be able to answer. 
and, and I'm not going to be so concerned with the world and I'm going to have the right attitude toward other believers. I'm not going to be a judge. I'm going to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the world is going to wax worse and worse. The Bible tells us that, doesn't it? I heard a talk show guy talking just this week. He said, everyone is emotionally wore out. And say, wow, that's a pretty good description of what's going on. But I want to challenge you. Vote anyway. Amen? Don't give up. But understand this. Jesus is still coming back. So let's just be faithful. If you're going to be patient with anybody, be patient with God. Amen? And love the brethren. Pray for one another. If you're sick, pray. If you're happy, sing. If you're both, do both. Amen? And pray for one another. There is nothing that we face that prayer will not solve. God's power is more than sufficient. And understand that if we'll encourage others to stay in the way, God is forgiving But the work of God is to keep us. You know, it used to be people loved to hear testimonies of people who did all these horrible things and then they got saved. I'll tell you, the greatest testimonies are people who got saved and never did these horrible things. That's the testimony we want for these little kids in our church. Amen? That's the testimony we want for those little babies in the nursery. That's the great testimony. And sometimes what they need to hear is someone says, Hey, I didn't have a daddy and mommy that loved God and served God the way yours do. And I know that you think that you need to be out there doing those things. But let me tell you what. It doesn't work. You keep serving the Lord. That's that's what this verse is talking about. When we rub one another the wrong way, realize, hey, Jesus is coming back. I don't have time to hold a grudge. I I don't have time not to encourage someone to serve the Lord. All God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book and we ask that you would help us to understand your word and to just simply, Lord, have the attitude that we should as believers in Christ. Lord, help us to live for you, to be patient with you, even amidst all these crazy things that are going on in our world today. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, is our habit, if you need to come, the altar's open.